Welcome to Bugs and Beards, the podcast home for everything fly fishing and fly tying. Kick back as we sit down and talk with some of your favorite fly tires and fishermen while we discuss with them the tips and techniques they've learned on the river and behind the vice so that you can use those lessons learned to make your time more effective. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Bugs and Beard podcast. Today we have on in the studio with us, we have Dave Olibal. Dave is a wet fly guides and uh, he's all he fish well not all he fishes I'm sure but he fishes a lot of wet flies and he's a central Pennsylvania guide here and uh, I've known Dave for a couple years now from doing the tying shows and got to know him and and since I'm an old wet fly guy I thought well we got to have him on just to share and have something different so we brought Dave on how you doing Dave real good good well, thanks for having me on now that you found our place yeah yeah, yeah. now that I found it <laughs> yeah the studio in the woods <laughs> But uh, and we got Pat here with us. How you been, Pat? Pretty good, pretty good. Getting out, doing some fishing, talking to some people, getting some positive feedback on the podcast from people. Yeah, that's good. So we're excited to have you guys listening. And guess what? I got stickers. I got fifty-four of them now. The long-awaited so, stickers. Yeah. So I'll be posting those here. If I haven't already, I'll be posting them out, and uh, you can send in and get a pic uh, sticker. I mean, so. Um, but anyhow. Let's get into talking today. So, how long have you been fishing, Dave? Uh, I'm going to say probably close to in the mid-30s, about 30-some years now. Yeah. So, and, uh, and how did, now, 30 years ago, it was different fishing, different correct, fly fishing. Correct. Did you have a, an older fellow that taught you wet flies no no i'm i'm pretty much self-taught um Mm. actually i i started out um fishing nymphs that's primarily how i got started uh a friend of my dad's uh was a fly tire fly fisherman and he he gave my dad uh um a few of his woven bodied stone fly nymphs and my dad brought them home for me you know to me and um, I thought, hmm, I wonder. But at that time, I was uh, a big minnow fisherman. I fished primarily all minnows, uh, you know, threading them up and, you know, carrying the jar on your side. And yeah. um, it was a very, very effective way to catch fish. Well, back no doubt. Then. No doubt. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's still probably a good way. Yeah. But um, I got those woven-bodied stonefly nymphs and had uh, my dad bought me a uh fenwick fiberglass fly rod Mm. um six weight fly rod and that's where i got started uh all of a sudden i started catching some fish and and the bug hit yeah it was it was all downhill from there (laughs) i was just gonna ask what kind of rod did you start i was wondering if you had the old wonder rod or (laughs) yeah (laughs) no it wasn't the snoopy rod (laughs) Yeah, I, I'll never forget when I was young, my dad's first fly rod was an old wonder rod, and he fished a lot of minis on it back then. And yeah. I mean, that's what people did back then. Yeah, They're, yeah. Automatic reels. Yeah. The, oh, yeah, we started yeah. out with the old automatic reels. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I had, whenever I was fishing minnows, I can remember, you know, the rod was probably six and a half, and I can't remember what the name of that rod was, but I remember um, whenever I got into that, 
that's when I think Daiwa pretty much came onto the scene and they had they were making small spinning reels at that time okay. and they were the hottest thing on the market at that time. And we know. were uh Pat and I was just down at Mike McFarland's mm-hmm. at his shop and he was showing us about he was showing us a bunch of old Daiwa fly rods. Oh, okay. And uh they were some neat rods and yeah. I really didn't know that they had fly rods or yeah. As nice of quality rods as they did. I right. thought they were basically spinning rods. Yeah. And that was that. I was, yeah. I was shocked. And they were. They were nice yeah. quality. Hmm. Yeah. He had some, I don't know, I don't want to say collector's ones or whatever, but some really nice wrapped rods yeah. and stuff from Daiwa. Yeah. So it was really neat to see that because now you think of Daiwa as your Walmart rod. Exactly. So that he was He had cool. some Fenwick glass rods too he showed us. So. Yeah. They were nice too. But yeah, I I I still have that uh, I still have that original original one that that I started out nice. on. Um, my my first one's a Berkeley Cherrywood. That was my first fly rod, and I still got it somewhere. And it was like a big wet noodle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was good for wet fly fishing. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It was great for wet fly fishing. I'm sure that Fenwick was too. Yeah, that was. Um, yeah. But back at that time, I I wasn't fishing wet flies in the you know in the early years. Yeah. Um, I was just getting started in it, and like I said, uh, I had a couple of trips out. Um, with those stone flies and actually i wasn't even tying at that point but that uh that set the tone right there Mm -hmm. and and like i said it was it was gangbusters from there (laughs) yeah once you learn once you really learn how to catch fish on a fly rod it's hard to go back yeah yeah it uh I, i don't know it's uh i guess you can say it becomes a little bit of an addiction um and it seems like you just want to keep progressing along to to learn the other methods too yeah you know and um i guess you know that's what keeps everybody pretty interested in the sport yeah and that's what i always say what always how 30 years later i still love doing it is i'm all even 30 years later i'm still learning something new all the time yeah yeah and and it's not when you fish one fly for instance one hatch you fish it four or five different ways right and you know, and you and that trout's gonna key on one of those four or five different ways right, that day, right. and it's your job to figure out which one. Exactly. And uh, it's not like going out and big old blob of power bait on a treble hook and. Right. <laughs> <laughs> can I get it to stick behind that wrong lot rock long enough for him to take it? You know, you, there's a lot more thought involved with it. Yeah. So that's why I always got into it. But I started out on the wet flies. That's how I actually originally started fishing. I was taught to wet fly fish by Jack, who was on our previous podcast, the last podcast we did. And um, I started out on that, loved it, but there was a learning curve to it. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, and then we went off in the other directions and learned dry flies and nymphs and stuff. But I'm starting now to go full circle and get back more into my wet flies. Great, great. It's a great method. It is. And uh, how did you get into the wet flies? So, you know, after after progressing in the sport um, for a few years, I'm going to say a few years, let's, you know, let's round it up to probably about eight, eight to ten years. Yeah. Um, I got pretty good at fishing the nymphs and, and the dries. And um, 
I thought, you know what? I, I want to do something. I want to do something else. Just like every other fly fisherman, right. you know, they just want to progress. Yep. Just keep going and learning and, and trying different things. And so I actually, you know, I picked up a Field and Stream magazine. And this was like back in, the, I'm going to say, you know, mid mid 70s maybe early 70s yep. and i seen an article in there and i thought hmm i wonder you know and at at that point i never seen anybody on our streams um you know fishing wet flies yeah. much and so i picked it up from there started doing a little tying um next thing you know what i was tying was becoming pretty successful yep and, you know, then, of course, you know, I started buying different rods, started experimenting with different lines, uh, started, you know, different mm -hmm. leaders. Uh, and the next thing you know, it's like, you know, now it's uh, yeah. Now it's 2020 and yeah. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm still at it pretty hard. And that's funny you say that because Jack, who taught me and was on the last podcast, I asked him how he got into wet flies because his dad was a big dry fly fisherman. And uh, he, he said Field and Stream. He said he read yeah. it in a magazine in Field and Stream yeah. and that's what got him in. I think he wanted to do something different from his dad too, and, right. you know, show his dad up or whatever, and so he really took hard to the wet flies, and and I've seen him fish, and I just sit in awe and watch him. Like mm -hmm. I've literally seen him cast at a tree and his line go out and then make a ninety degree turn behind a tree, and like yeah, he's just there's an art to it. He, yeah, he has mastered yeah. it, and and it's fun to watch. So like I'm still learning from him. I. When I fish with Jack and when he's swinging wet flies, I, I put the rod down and sit on the bank and just watch him. Oh, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. He's he's my mentor, and you know it, it's neat to watch him. But there's such an art form to wet flies too, that it. But it's not hard. It's not a hard art form to learn. Right. And you know, because you can do it with a roll cast. Yeah. Um. You, you know the specifically you know fishing three flies like that i kind of i kind of fit you know it the roll cast seems like it's just not as what do i want to say is successful okay you know because a lot of the streams that i'm fishing on are pretty broad right. um you know the little jay cattle big, right. big pine creek i try to I try to key to those to those big streams so that I can throw a big line. Okay? okay. My my whole my whole game is is I want to get that fish way out there and feel that tug on the line and him That's make that part. line him make that line go yeah. straight at that distance. And um but as far as as roll casting it say on a smaller streams, I try not to incorporate that the wet fly method on smaller streams um just because there isn't i don't think there's enough of room that you can really make a good effective cast right at. so i i kind of kind of key towards those okay towards now, those bigger waters now i in my wet fly fishing i am more of a small stream guy okay. fishing a tandem rig 
and doing a lot of role casting yeah. downstream, far farther downstream. Right. You know, and uh, just a nice soft roll cast to get it out and hit the other bank and swing it swing mm-hmm. around. So that's neat that we have a difference in how we how we attack. Yeah, our, I'm, our I mean, flies. you know, I I get asked a lot of times at at a lot of the fly fishing shows that yeah. I attend. You know, you know, can you fish these on smaller streams? And I can't answer that question because I don't do it on smaller streams. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, you can. I I suppose um, you know with a little bit shorter leader. Right. Um, How long of a leader are you fishing? Um, I'm fishing a nine foot leader built for three flies. Okay. And that's that's the staple of 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 the leader. Okay. Um, I used to build leaders. You know, uh, seven and a half foot leaders. Um, I used to attend a couple of shows down in Virginia um, and out in Ohio, and they don't have big streams like we have here. Right. They they have smaller streams, so they asked me if I would design a leader for them so that they could try that try it on smaller streams, and so I did. I built that seven and a half foot leader built for two flies, yeah. and I, I I sold a pile of them to those guys, and. I wanted to make it for three flies, but you have to remember there's different laws in different states. And, you know, so, so I told them, you know, you got to pay attention of of where you're you're going um, because their laws are different than ours here in Pennsylvania. So like I said, I, I sold a pile of those over the years, but then I was mainly building the nine footers and, um, and they were selling way more than the other ones. And I thought, well, you know, why am I wasting my time tying all these extra leaders when this is what I am using yeah. most often and, most. and this is what I'm preaching, yeah. you know, whenever I, I take somebody on a guide trip, this is what I am showing them. Hmm. And so... Um, I just kind of took those shorter leaders out of the out of the picture. So I'm fishing a nine foot leader too, but just with one dropper off of it. Now, are okay. you fishing droppers or are you inline? I I'm fishing I'm fishing droppers. So when I build that leader, that leader is a nine foot leader, like I said. Okay. And it has two droppers on it. Okay. The droppers and now now this is um, a regular knotted. Right, blood, knotted, blood knot, blood knot tapered right. down. This th- this leader has eight sections in it, and so then what I do is is I incorporate these dropper loops in the terminal part of the leader. So from the first dropper up to the second dropper is approximately eighteen to nineteen inches. Okay, and then from the first dropper down to the point fly, which point fly being tied to the tippet. Right is probably about 30 34 oh, 32 wow. 34 inches that long okay. okay so so that's what and that and that's tipped out to 4x so okay. when i build these leaders now the main leader that that i fish with that i guide with and that i sell is specifically that nine foot leader okay uh for two droppers and tipped out as a four X. Now the droppers. Okay. And, uh, you know, you can think about this and picture this, those, that dropper material is 0.015. That's anywhere from 
anywhere from 22 to 26 pound test for the droppers. Oh, okay. Wow. So think about this for a second. So when you're, say when your flies, if you would hold that leader up and the dropper is on it, it sticks at a 90 degree angle you're not, out from you're not the terminal. The twist. You're not yeah. getting the twist. Okay. If you are getting a twist and you see that while you're fishing, you don't even worry about it because it comes out on out. the cast or it unwraps in the water. Mm. And believe me, I've caught numerous doubles over the years. Yeah. I mean, guys just don't absolutely believe that those fish are eating those flies on those droppers. Yeah. And of course, when I'm at the shows or whenever I do a seminar, I usually have my album there. And of course, I always have to have a couple pictures in there of the doubles right. that I've caught <laughs> over the years, you know, to prove that that they are eating that drop or eating those flies on those droppers. And, and like I said, it sticks out at a 90 degree angle. Now, what size fly are you now, fishing on that? Now, I, on that point zero fifteen, yeah, I can get uh, a 10, a 12, and a 14, or a short shank 14. Okay. I won't go any smaller because a short shank 14 is comparable to the size of a 16. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, I can't go down to a size 16, 18, or 20, right. because that material, You're you can't get, get it through, through the eye, eye of the hook. Yeah. So, But if I do happen sometimes to fish some 16s, and that's as small as I'll go, okay? Okay. You don't have to. Them fish are going to eat those flies. Yeah. So if I go down to a 16, what I'll do is, is I'll scale that dropper material down to 0x. 0x you can get through okay. the eye of a 16. All right. Um, yeah, I'm fishing. I will fish some 18s, but I'm mostly 14, 16 size. Yeah. And well, you get up on Kettle Creek, you're fishing a lot of 12s and yeah, stuff up there. Right, but, right. You know, but around here, I'm most, mostly fishing 16s. Yeah. I, I, I found that, um, I found that the smaller the wet fly, you just don't get the. You'll get a lot of grabs, yeah, but you won't get a lot of fish your hook to up hand. Percentage. Um, yeah. Actually, I talked to you, you and your dad, um, at one of the shows about, you know, you guys asked me if I tie the flies any smaller, and I told you yeah. no, and you guys showed me some hooks yeah. that possibly might work, but I, I really never needed to go any smaller than those short shank 14s, <laughs> which gave me a bigger gap in the hook, um, and I was able you know, to land, mm -hmm. you know, bring the fish to hand on them. But whenever I would use um, 18s or 20s, oh, my goodness, I'd get a lot of grabs, but it, I I just couldn't land the fish. Okay. I, I just couldn't sink the hook. I'm getting a lot of grabs and not maybe a 50% hookup rate. On the smaller flies? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's yeah. maybe that's the problem. Yeah. I Get mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I tried it. I tried it for... You know, a couple of outings, and I thought, you know, geez, I, you know, I tried slip striking them, I tried, uh, um, I tried bending the hook, you know, to the side a little bit, mm -hmm. to see, yeah, yeah, trying to offset it, um, and like I said, I got a lot of grabs, and then, you know, I thought, well, I'm just successful with the 16s and the or with the short shank 14s and the regular 14s, right. it's like, why, why am I wasting my time? 
Um, mm. But, I mean, I was happy with the fish that I was catching, you know, and using those hooks. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I'll have to, maybe I'll have to rethink that one. But a lot of, you know, well, my euro nymphing and stuff is always smaller and thinner. You yeah. just keep going smaller yeah, and yeah. smaller. So I think that may be a lot of why my progression to the smaller flies with the wet flies. But I I have gotten a lot more hits with them. Right. I will say that. Right. Because a lot of the streams I fish are smaller streams, smaller insects in them. Right. Um, and, right. And, and I'll get a lot of hits when mm-hmm. I go. But, well, on a good day. You know, there's days that you just don't get hits right. with them. But, uh but yeah, so I'll maybe have to reconsider that. I don't think he's ever had a day that he didn't have hits on a wet fly. Yeah, really? <laughs> you? Oh, me? Um, I, I, when was this? This was two years ago. Um, I was on Penn's Creek, and I was there for I was there for the whole day. The water was the water was just up a little bit, but it had that real nice greenish tint, and there was like multiple flies on the water. I mean, it was like there was probably anywhere from four to five different types of flies on the water. I I never quite seen anything like that on like any other stream. Yeah, and I got skunked that day. Hmm. I mean, I I went home. I was driving home. And, you know, that's like a two and a half hour trip for me. And I was driving home and I was thinking, wow, this is the first time. Drove yourself nuts (laughs) thinking about it. That I really really got beat up on the water and I never had a grab. But in in thinking that, you know, I, I thought about the day and I'm thinking that those fish were eating so heavily underneath the surface at the very beginning before I got in that section of water. And I think they were just full at the time because I threw, I had the patterns that were coming off, okay, that the duns were flying around. I had them tied wet fly style, Mm -hmm. and I did not move a fish. But then Mm -hmm. again, too, I was on a pool that was probably, you know, 70 yards long. And I never seen a single fish come up for a fly, so that's telling. That was telling me that these guys just ate so aggressively under there yeah. that they were full, and you know they went down down to the bottom to take a rest for a while. Yeah. But like I said, I was driving home and I thought, "Wow, I cannot believe that that's a first in a lot of years." <laughs> <laughs> but then again, you know that's what. I, I think that's what drives us to keep coming oh, yeah. back, you know. And like I said, I went back again, and, you know, I went back maybe two and a half weeks later, three weeks later, and I caught fish there. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's, it's the game that really makes it exciting. And, yeah. and like I said, you know, I felt bad <laughs> that day, but, you know, hey, it happens to all of oh, us. Oh, and, it does, and especially, like, I think a cattle crick. When you go to Cattle Creek in the spring, you don't know how many hatches are going to be coming off that yeah. day. That's just the way it works up there. And, you know, and they're going to key on one of them, and you got to go through the box and figure yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's why I love that stream so much. But Yeah, it's, it's a good place up there. Yeah, and lots of water to fish, too. A lot of water. Yeah. Definitely a lot of water. 
And for us, we're normally limestone guys around here. So it's different right. feeling to get up there on that big. It's like being out west or something yeah. on a big freestone. And I, I just love fishing up there because you have that western feeling. Yeah. Today. Yeah. You know what What I like, um, you know, of, of course, we have uh, we, we have a camp in the area up mm. there. And, you know, and we fish it a lot early in the season. And, of course, um they're probably a, maybe a, a week, a week and a half behind what's going on down here in central right. Pennsylvania yep. because, you know, the mountains, they still usually have some snow up there on top of the mountains. The water's high, and the water is very cold. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that makes it that makes it a real tough game at the beginning of the season. Yep. But, but he- we've, we've – um, we've, pretty much learned how to crack the code up there yeah. early, early in the season <laughs> yeah and hey if you need warmed up you can always go have a bubba burger at yeah Deb's yeah and, and you forget all about yeah. what you put up with all morning exactly. long but. that's live it'll be a little different this year i think bugs are going to be early this year i think I, it's going to be different i i think you're exactly right yeah um, very mild winter yeah and you know we're just getting very minimal amounts of rain right. you know just a little bit and you know sure the ground is still pretty wet and it's still seeping off but from from what i'm looking at at the gauging stations um you know on this on the waters that i fish Mm -hmm. and guide on um we're at we're at like right at i'm gonna say second second week third week of may yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say you know and this is only mid March. Yeah. So Yeah, lack of snow is um, hard. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm hoping this nice weather don't set in for us too quick mm. and yeah. I mean, no snow, but yeah, let's get some rain, oh, you know, yeah. and, and get yep. the and get the waters up a little yeah, bit. My my gauge station is the creek behind the house here and it is like you yeah. said, it's probably mid May. Yeah. I mean I, I monitor I monitor the um the USGS sites. Um I have them um on on my website i have you know the streams that i fish and guide on and then i have the usgs sites that you can click on it and go right to those specific streams and i monitor the i look at those every single day just to see you know and um of course um when was it last saturday i was down and i was down here fishing the little jay Uh and i looked at it and i i read the i don't read the gauge in cfs i read it in in feet okay that's kind of how i always right i i looked at the gauge from the very get-go so i know if it's if it's at two and a half two and a half to two foot right. on on the j is is perfect water i mean for me to be swinging swinging wet flies right. down there and i looked at it and it was like 258 the other day on saturday whenever i went down so in it had a great color and of course I wasn't fishing wets that day. Um, I've been, I've been jumping over to the dark side a little oh, bit, oh, and man. yeah, yeah, and uh, and swinging some big articulating streamers. Oh, okay. So I've kind of uh, there. Yeah. You go. I jumped from from wet flies to the to the streamer game a little bit because now I want to do something a little bit different. Yeah. And so I'm. Um, you I'm, just you uh, just stole my next question. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm pursuing that avenue. Um, 
Yeah, that was my next question. Was what do you do when they're just not taking wet flies? And there's days that and, they just don't really. Um, you know, I'm I'm still fishing the wet flies <clears throat> pretty consistently. Um, like I said, I I only tried the streamer game. This was the first time in the spring that I ever tried it. Mm. I tried it last fall, and and I was very successful. I moved a bunch of fish. I landed a couple of dandies. Yep, and. <clears throat> and I thought, you know what? I'm going to try this again in the spring. So, of course, last weekend was a, a, a nice weekend, and I thought, you know what? The, that water is at that height, and I thought, this might be a good time to try it. So I left all of my wet fly stuff at home, Yep. and I took my eight-weight rod down there with an intermediate eight-weight sink or uh, eight-weight intermediate line, um, short leader, um, and I took a box of, uh, articulating streamers that right. I've been tying up for the last two years and I rock some fish down there. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, all these years that this has been going on and, 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 and I'm missing out on it and I've missed out on this, like yeah. right from the very get go. So here you go. A guy that's been fishing wet flies for almost 30 some years now the game is like changing a little bit am i going to do it all the time absolutely not because the wet fly game is yeah. what i love to do <laughs> but that's that's actually kind of an easy transmission transition to make it's almost there. the same yeah, yeah the 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 casting mm, um right. the, the only thing is the equipment um you know those i'm i'm not used to to throwing that kind of heavy a fly right so uh, the the whole casting for me changes but i'm throwing a shorter line but when i'm wet fly fishing i'm throwing a longer line and i'm still using an intermediate line so i am picking up a lot of weight off of that water so it's you have to learn how to slow that cast down and of course, I've been doing it for so long right. with the wet flies in the intermediate sinking line that I progressed over to that pretty good because all I could en envision was is a couple of those articulating streamers with the lead eyes uh, bouncing off the tip of my eight-weight rod, mm, and right. the next thing you know, I hook a fish, and I'm going to have a, a rod in a couple of pieces. Right, exactly. So that's kind of a scary thought. but uh, Okay, what rod back to the wet fly fishing what is your ideal rod for wet fly fishing so when when i first started out i because since i was still fishing some nymphs mm -hmm. um um i had all medium action rods right um i had orvis i had sage i had pow um you know i'm just like every other uh fly right. angler out there we yeah. all got a pile of them in our closet but i i i cut my teeth on medium action rods so then, um, so whenever I started my guide business, what I wanted to do is, is I wanted to bring the tradition into what I was doing right. and I wanted to show that tradition. So at that point I switched over to bamboo. Okay. You can't get any more traditional. Right. Than I, that. Was, I was, I was, I was going to okay. ask you if you fished them. So, um, so and of course, I not knocking any of the builders of bamboo. I I know there's a lot of good ones out there, um, and but I wanted a rod 
from a Pennsylvania maker, mm-hmm. just because I'm from Pennsylvania and this right. is where I do mainly most of my fishing. And so I did some research. Of course, I had to do some research on bamboo just for, you know, kind of track down the history of it yeah. a little bit. And um, so I wanted a maker here in Pennsylvania. And of course, I found one not too ver- not too far from, you know, where I live. And, oh, really? Um, and actually the gentleman's name is Jim Downs. He's up on, he's up on Penn's Creek. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's who I figured um, you were going to say. And, and Jim is, um, he, at that time he was one of the up and coming, yeah. um, good builders, yes. uh, bamboo builders. So I did a little bit of research on Jim and of course Jim attended a lot of the fly fishing shows mm-hmm. that of course you and I attended. Yep. Um, and I sat down with Jim, and I, I, I told him exactly how I wanted the rod to perform. Yeah. <laughs> and he told me, he says, he says, wow, he says, I wish more guys like you would come <laughs> in the shop and tell me that. You know, he says, you're really precise in what you want. And he knew exactly what I wanted, yeah. and he built me the first rod, and it was perfect, right, hmm. right on the right out of the rod tube. Um, so... I've yeah. been fishing bamboo ever since, and I think Jim has built me three, three or four rods now. I um, got to fish one of his rods, uh, fish with Tom Doman. Oh yeah, I know yeah. Tom. I yeah. know Tom very well. Tom has a bad habit with bamboo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It 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 can be very addicting. Um, yeah. I I have another one from. Um, oh, what was it? He was down around Chambersburg. His first name was Wyatt. Um, but he he's him and jim were taught by the by the same gentleman okay um and uh but i i have a couple of jim's rods and and like i said i have three four i think i have five i have five bamboo rods and what i do is 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 you know i don't favor one because uh four of them are all the same taper and they're all they're all five weights, eight uh, eight and a half footers, and of course you would think that you know that's a pretty heavy rod. I'm not a big guy, but I can throw that rod. I can throw those rods all day long and not get fatigued. Yeah, off, off of them. They're very smooth, and the bamboo yeah. is so smooth um, in its it, cast. It, it, it took a little while to get the casting down because they are very slow. Yeah. I mean, um, Jim said, told me he says, you know, he says you probably could eat a half a sandwich. By the time you bring the rod forward to make, yeah. you know, to make the forward cast. Yep. So, um, but like I said, um, Jim is a, is a good maker. He, you know, like I said, he built me those rods, and they were they were absolutely perfect right out the gate. So, in a traditional rod, what would you suggest the guy to get? Are you still with the eight five or? Um, I I like I like uh, an an eight and a half eight and a half to nine foot um is is a good all around you want a little bit of a tip flex in it just to take up the cushion of the hit when when the fish hits okay so that's actually a little bit of of a protector of the tippet okay or the fish hitting the fly so hard that it pulls you know that it pulls it out the side of its mouth and you know so if if you have that if you have that little bit of slower tip on that that that's a real good uh shock absorber i call it right on there so and 
four weight or five weight? Um, or? I li- I'm I'm more prone to a five weight. Okay. Um, that's just because I've owned f- all five weights since I started since I started fly fishing. Yeah, and I I've been a four weight guy the mm-hmm. whole time, so it's just I don't. And from there, I've actually went smaller just because I like to fight the yeah you know and right. and I, one of my rods that I love to swing wet flies on the small streams with is a six and a half foot three weight. Okay. And it and it's so soft and it's great right. you know it's got that great shock absorber to it and, yeah and that's what when you said medium action to put it into you want a softer rod you want something where it's going to flex more mid mid rod to closer yeah. to the handle yeah now now but whenever I was fishing those medium action rods at that time okay that's what that's what I thought was an all-around good rod for that but let me tell you when i got that bamboo in my hand and that thing flexed at the tip and a little bit into the midsection and it's you know and it's very fast down at the butt okay Mm. and whenever i got that in my hand and fished those wet flies with it i thought wow it's like those um you know those the rods that i were using in the in the past were just a little bit too fast okay and and i i could see the difference just by whenever i was getting the hits i was more successful landing the fish because that tip that tip in midsection was slow on it so it had a little bit more give into it and i i was hooking a lot of uh, you know i was i was hooking the fish the hooks were setting real good, and I was landing the fish. I, I wasn't getting so many so many misses. Okay, now go into hook set a little bit on wet flies because that's different than the guys you're nymphing. And- yeah, yeah. So, so the hook set is 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 pretty much you know whenever I make that cast, um, I don't hold the rod. I, I kind of point the rod at an angle, you know, down like this. But I want from the tip of from the end of my rod down to where the fly line touches the water i want a little bit of belly in that line right okay so not only is my tip is your rod taking rod tip some of it taking some of it but that little bit of slack is is working too mm-hmm. in my favor so i have two shock absorbers built into that so I don't hold my rod real high to get that real big belly in it right. i try to get it down close you know, maybe about 16, 18 inches off the water just to get that belly in, and that acts, yeah. as, acts as that shock absorber. Yeah, I will actually start high, and as my drift goes, head down towards the water with my drift and, and finish almost down to the water yeah. with my rod tip as it's down below yeah. me. Yeah, you know, and it's from from the beginning of the cast to the end of the cast i'm holding i don't hold my rod quite that high like on the like you do yeah i i want to be more in contact with that um i've i've tried that a couple of times and you know it's it's just kind of you get caught off guard because there's just way too much line out of the water okay and i don't think that you really get a really good hook set okay off of that so like i said i try to keep that 16 18 inches of the tip of the rod up off the water and keep that little bit of belly in right. that a lot of our listeners are euro nymphers and stuff so like it's a completely different hook set from those with euro nymph we're tight 
from tip to fly. Right. And when that fish bites, we're snapping it back, you know, downstream, pulling it right, right. into their mouth. Where here is, I was always taught just to lift your hand. You don't even set yeah. the hook. You just lift your hand. Right. I'm, I mean, I very seldom, if, if anything, maybe I'll, my elbow just might move a little bit, just a, just a short jerk. Yeah. That's it. So, you're, you know, it's, it's only moving probably six to eight inches. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not pulling the rod back up to my ear or anything. It's a real sharp quick hook set and the fish is almost hooking itself yeah Yeah, they're pretty much hooking themselves kind of like a streamer yeah we're a nymph and they're kind of grabbing a nymph as it floats by and they have the opportunity to spit it but it seems like a wet fly like a streamer they actually chase it down yeah Yeah. i i've i've noticed you know they and they, they don't really seem to come straight on at the fly okay they slash on it yeah so when those flies are swinging and and you and you can tell that they're doing that by when you land those fish you'll see that hook setting right in the side of their you know in the mm-hmm. side of their mouth it's never like st- straight in yep. you, you know on you know either on the upper part of the mouth or the lower part right. of the mouth yep. it's always on the side and you can tell you know and a lot of us don't know that because you know we can't see what's happening under the water of when those nymphs are hatching right and those fish are just feeding so aggressively they're gobbling up everything that they can chase down <laughs> you know and yeah. i think that's why that that's why the grab is so vicious and now, and why the softer rod is so important oh, yeah. yes. because with nymph fishing you know you're tight to the line and tight take to your fly and when he takes it he's just sucking it in and spitting it out if he doesn't like it and you're trying to get it as fast as you can before he spits it out with this this fish is actively coming up taking it and going back down with it and so there's a different there's force on the fish's part whereas nymph fishing it's just you're putting the force into the fish so that's why that rod setup is so different than now i'm going to be 100% totally honest, I swing wets with my nymph rod all the time. If I'm out on the stream and there's a hatch coming off, I'll just throw a pair of wet flies on my 20-foot leader and start swinging. And I've caught lots of fish doing that. But that's an opportunity kind of thing. If I'm going to Kettle Creek, I'll have a rod rigged up. Right. But if I'm, you know, on one of my local streams, small streams, and I see a nice hatch coming off, now, here's another question for you. How often do you use a weighted fly? Never. See, the only time I use one is on my nymph leader. Okay. Th- and that gives me a and little bit of cast. You know, so you never use beads, not even for your point fly, <laughs> your number one. <laughs> and, it, and, it's, and it's funny that you say that because I'm pretty much noted at the show that I am, like, totally anti-bead. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's, you know, and I, I use that as a joke. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with fishing beads. I'm not beating up on any any of the anglers out there that have fished with beads. Right. But like I said, I try to keep somewhat to the traditional side right. of wet fly fishing. Um, you know, of, of course, yes, I've modified the leader a little bit. But remember, that's an that's an eight section knotted leader mm-hmm. tied by my hands. Okay. Yeah. It's uh it's not a straight tapered leader, which you can incorporate this leader into 
a straight tapered leader. All yeah. you have to know is is where to put the droppers. Where to cut it. Yep. And you know, and and of course, put the you know put the extra piece of tippet material in there. Um, but he, the beads, I I do not use. I I always tell a story. I was at one of the shows. I was only on the show circuit. I don't know a, a couple of years, mm. and everybody knew that I specifically fish wet flies <laughs> all year. You know, from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. And so one of the guys that was a big nymph fisherman, he came over and he took one of my flies out of my box and he put a bead in there. Well, when my light, my tying light hit my box, this thing just lit up like, you know, there was a, like a star in my box and the light just like flickered off of it. you know. And of course, everybody that was sitting around you know, across the aisle from me and the guy yeah. right to my left, the guy on my right side and the guy on my left side, they were all sitting there laughing and they thought it was one heck of a <laughs> joke. But, but, but like I said, I, I, I pretty much stick to the, to the traditional, um, part of, of, of that method. Um, you know, as, and as far as the flies goes, of course, I modified the flies a little bit. Sure, I use some traditional wet flies, but I've modified those traditional wet flies to make them to create more movement in mm. those in those flies of of yesteryears. Yeah. You know, yeah, the I am totally on with you on board with the no weight. Like I said, the only time I'll tie, I'll have a couple bead heads in my box, bead head, just wet flies. And the only reason I'll have them in there is because if you're fishing a 20-foot leader, you're not yeah, casting it. Right. And I've been in situations where, you know, the hatch comes off right at night. You can't tell what you're doing nymph fishing. I'll throw a bead head on the bottom and a wet fly up top, and I'll swing the two of them, and I'll catch fish because I'm able to cast and get some distance right. on that 20-foot 20 right. leader. But other than that, I don't fish it on on my regular wet fly right. rig. So, so back to the weight. You know, you was asking me, you know, if I if I incorporate any weight. I don't in, use in beads the, either. In, okay. I, I was taught by a guy at the end of this table. We didn't have beads then either. <laughs> <Yeah. so. laughs> but I just figured I'd bring yeah. that up. So, so, so back to the weight. Uh, so how I incorporate the weight into what I am doing is, is I fish an intermediate sinking line. Okay. okay. That fly line sinks an inch to an inch and a half a second. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's how I get my my flies down into that zone, okay. And um, when the water is at at that two to two and a half foot stage on the little J, that that intermediate sinking line is is deadly. Now, sure. when the water gets up a little bit, okay. Now I got to go a little bit deeper. Say. Um, so what I'll do is is I'll either switch over to a class five sinking line, okay, which sinks, I think it's like five to six and a half inches a second, okay. Oh, wow. So it goes down real quick. But remember, the water is moving quicker. The yeah. water is higher, okay. So, you know, my thought is is that line isn't going down drastically fast it is but it isn't because of the conditions because right. of the current right current. so it lets me get my full swing out of it that that line will never touch the bottom um a good example i we use that um class five sinking line on kettle on opening mm-hmm. well probably for the first 
for the first two, two, two and a half weeks okay. on the Freestone streams up north. Okay, that's that's either Kettle, First Fork, or Big Pine Creek. Pine, that's yeah. the big three that we yeah. really concentrate on up there. The water is high, very cold. The fish are laying deep. Okay, they're okay. not coming up into that 12 to 18-inch range um, up in the water column to eat flies. Right. They're eating everything down on the bottom. You know, of course, just think about it. That's why that's why the the bait guys do so well. Yeah. They yeah. got their they got their bait down on that bottom right. and it's just rolling along the bottom or a real good nympher too. Yeah, he right. puts enough a split shot on that you know that he can get down and right. and drag the bottom. Like I said, I try to achieve that by that by that class 5 line. With your line so deep like a, how do you keep the mend and all that it's it's not very hard to mend um now of course i won't fish that class five on my bamboo okay because it's it's way too heavy right. i i mean if i would go to pick that thing up off the water i would probably have that thing in pieces yeah okay so at that point i'll use one of my um one of my graphite rods right. from years ago the you know the medium action rods um you know like i said i have sage mm -hmm. orvis i I, I have a couple of different ones that, right. that I always use and that I've always favored. Um, but that'll be the only time of the year, you okay. know, that I will fish with that, that full sinker. See, I never got into the sink tips. I've always fished up towards the top. And, yeah. and I mean, I've done well <clears throat> enough that I'm happy, but I've never dug into it like you have right. and, and that. So so, so back, to the, back to the weight of the line, okay? So for the intermediate sinking line, say the water was up, um, say it was up in the three and a half foot range. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna use the little J as example because it's stuck in my head. Right. And so if it's up to the three to three and a half inch foot range, what I can do instead of using that class five line, I built these mini sink tips out of Cortland LC13. It's called, mm. and it's a lead core fly line. So what I did was is I put two loops and on on the end of this uh, piece of line, I built them in one foot and two foot sections. That's all you need. Hmm. So what you do is is you loop that onto your fly line and then you put the butt end of your leader onto the other loop. Right. Okay. So it's an extra added heavier piece on the end of my intermediate sinking line. Hmm. And this will dictate how fast. So now my intermediate sinking line will, will sink, but this mini sink tip will help it sink quicker. You should just be a spay fisherman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so actually it 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 is it is a small shooting head. Yeah. Is was yep. so but I experimented a little bit, you know, to see what it was gonna take to fish those different types of water. Because you know, and like I said, even if you look at the gauge, I mean, I look at the gauge sometimes and I'm thinking, Jesus, you know, I, I was just, I was at work all week. I want to go fish today because right. I got the day yep. off. Guess what? I don't care what the conditions are going to be unless it's up in the woods. Right. But if the water is up and high, I can go there and be effective. Hmm. So when I experimented with those, with those mini heads, that kind of played into my hmm. favor. It and makes sense. So, no. so I can cover any, any kind of situation. Okay, now here's a question for you. When, when we're nymph fishing and the water gets up and high, 
we're going with something black and we're getting to the bottom with it. Is there, because you're probably not going to have the best hatch and the trout isn't going to see it in the stained water, pre-stained water. Is there a go-to kind of pattern for you or? Well, it, it, it all depends where we're fishing. Okay. So on opening day up on Kettle Creek, take example. You know, you know, as well as I do, the water's up, the water's cold. Mm-hmm. Okay, the class five line comes on, short leader. Um, sometimes we'll use the nine foot leader so that we can get, you know, that we can use three flies. But I try to go a little bit, I'll go a little bit shorter. I'll go to that seven and a half liter, which I still keep built for two flies. Yeah. Okay, so no weight on them. So I am fishing many. Um, Mini woolly buggers, okay? Size 10, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm throwing. So I can fish two different colors, or I can put I can put that on the point fly and maybe put a size 10 uh, picket pin or stone fly. Yeah. Um, the, actually, the stone fly and the picket pin, whenever we're up north, that is my go-to flies uh, for opening day. Stone fly, the, yeah. that woven body stone fly that I told you in the beginning. Yeah. That okay, believe it or not, I Swing I turned it. that I turned that fly into a wet fly. It's mm-hmm. still I still tie the woven body, but I just turned it into a wet fly. Yeah. Okay, so that goes on the point. Picket pin goes next. Okay. And a winged hair hair's ear goes on the top dropper. That's. Mm. I mean, that's been the go-to flies for years up there. Then, like I said, then you can, you know, you can experiment with the woolly buggers. Like right. I said, we tie them, you know, on size 10s. They're, what, probably an inch. Yeah, right. Hmm. Like know. on a, on a not an extra long shank, just right. a regular, like, 2220. Right. Size 10, yeah. And, 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 and it works. Yeah. So. I have been experimenting with that a little bit, uh, Micro streamers is kind of what yeah. I've been calling it. Just yeah. downsizing streamers a lot and fishing it right. on the wet fly. And, right. On, and and I've had a little bit of success with that. That's been fun to play with. So I want to play a little bit more with that this year. But but, the, but actually, um, we t- I tie oh jeez in those well I I call them micro buggers. Um, I only have I think. four 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 patterns um and and then of course i did a muddler minnow instead of putting a deer head on it i spun a a rabbit fur Mm. head on it okay i wanted to take away the buoyancy out of it i wanted to go down deep okay same tie as the regular muddler only thing Hmm. i took the deer hair head off of it and put something on use something that when it got wet it would stay wet and it would sink quicker okay that is that that's the only couple of those uh micros that that i fish and i only fish them at at the very very beginning of the season Hmm. as soon as that as soon as that water starts to warm up and that right that just gone those go those go in the box they don't come out until (laughs) the following season yeah so with all the advancements in glass rods, there's a big change from when you started to what the guys are fishing today. Have you tried any of those? New I ones? I have not tried any of the glass ones. Um, you, you know, and I know we were talking here before, or 
you mentioned Mike yeah. Mike McFarland. I know he's one of the he's one of the top glass builders in in the business, and it, you know, and I I of course you know I attended his show and I've seen him at shows and I looked at his rods and I, I just can't believe you know the prices that they're getting for mm-hmm. for glass rods and I and I thought to myself oh my goodness this it the circle it's coming full circle yeah and you know and i mean and it and it's great um i've guys have handled you know my bamboo rod and they you know and of course they say oh my goodness i you know i've got a glass rod almost the same action yep. as this yep. you know but only thing it's glass and and not bamboo yeah um but no, I I have not experimented with those. Like I I kind of look at it this way. I I'm all, I already got a ton of you money. Got what you need, yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't need another rod. Yeah, but it'd be nice if somebody gave me one to try yeah, for sure. a while. <laughs> yeah, we were down. We were had Mike take us down and uh, show us how he builds them and stuff, and that was neat to yeah, see nice. and, and understand it a yeah. lot better and and. It's just like I'm sure you saw how he built his bamboo rods. Yeah, and yeah, and like I said, uh, you know, I went up to Jim's shop one time, and yeah. you know, and I says I'm going to come up early. I says, can I come up and just watch? And you know, and of course, I was, I'm kind of a guy that likes to ask a lot of questions, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> just to try to understand, you know, about the crafts or yeah. or whatever, and. You know, of course, I was like full of questions, and you know, finally, he just had to say, "Dave, he's just like, you got to be quiet a little bit." You know, it's like you're asking. a craft. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I mean, I I watched him wrap them. You know, put the glue on and wrap them all up, and it's like, oh my goodness! And then he had some that you know that he was varnishing, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it's you know, you you would think that it's not really all that hard, but I'll tell you what. You know, with the varnishes and that they got now, you know, they got to have the right temperature, the right humidity. Yeah. And and it's like, oh, this is like way too much. And then, of course, the tapers of the rods. And right. that, you know, yep. you better be you better be somewhat of a mathematician. OK, to, to understand how they're micrometering all these pieces out yep. and and planing. And, and I'm thinking, wow, this is like. This is way, way too technical. <laughs> that was, I just I just want to go fish. That's that all. was very neat to see with Mike. Like yeah. he's got formulas for everything yeah. and mandrels to for and mixing and matching the different mandrels to make a rod do a different thing. Yeah, and yeah. it's just yeah, it's there's such a science. Yeah, to and, it. and like I said, it's the same way with bamboo. Yep. Um, you know, they, they have certain tapers that they've used for years and years, right. and then all of a sudden now somebody wants, you know, that rod maker wants to put a little twist on it you know, and yep. make it his own, you know, and it, it's, it's a, it's, it's a really neat part of, uh, fly fishing history. Yeah. You know, just to understand what goes in, um, you know, in the bamboo glass or graphite. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a really cool story. Yeah. We always, uh, took part in stuff with the Pennsylvania fly fishing museum and they always had to, I forget who he was, was always there building rods at any of their shows he's always there showing yeah. you how to build the rods and stuff and so i've seen it done many of times and and to watch and see how much labor intensive mm-hmm. it is like mike's 
there's a lot of with the glass there's a lot of machine work that goes into that right bamboo's labor intensive right yeah bamboo is you know planing down yeah. splitting a piece of bamboo getting it the right length get planing it down yeah. to the perfect angle to get all five <laughs> six pieces to fit together right, right. so yeah uh, that's a neat that's a whole different topic in itself that's why yeah. they take a lot longer to build yeah 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 a little bit more money Longer yeah. to build. Yeah, you're not gonna get a cheap bamboo rod unless no. you buy an old one off of eBay. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and refinish it yourself. <laughs> right. But uh, no, this was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Learned a couple new things, and and that was one of the things we wanted to share with our listeners. Yep. You know, we want to. Last year we keyed a lot on your own nymphing, and we want to branch out and give a little bit of everything this year. Great. Um, get into tires and different styles of fishing. And so I've been wanting to have you on. I asked you last year, I think, probably, if, yeah. if you'd come down. And we just never took right. the time to hook up. So, But now we have the coronavirus, and yeah. we all got a lot of free time. Yeah, yeah and there's only three there's of only us in three the room. There's only three of us, so we're allowed to do <laughs> so it. So we're safe. <laughs> What do they call that? A uh, social uh, yeah, social distancing. Yeah, I did that yesterday. Yeah, I, I was out social distancing and had a really good productive day fishing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was nice. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully I get out Friday and do some social distancing myself. It's supposed to be nice. I think it's yeah. rain, but it's supposed to be seventy. Yeah, around seventy, so it ought to be nice. Yeah, uh, right. yeah, you'll see some flies on the line. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going to the J, so I'll probably see something happening. But uh, where can we find you at? So I have uh, a website, uh, www.wetflywaterguides.com. All right, I'll try to put um, that in the link down at the bottom. Here. And and you can find me there. Um, um you know, as all different types of information, I do a little blog on there, you know, on some of the trips and some of the things that I'm doing. I'll probably Good. write something up about this. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I kind of I kind of keep on track of that. Um, and of course, you know, my guide services on there. Um, right. And you fish all over. You do your guiding all over. I guide, you know, I guide here in central Pennsylvania and north central Pennsylvania. So when I'm saying central Pennsylvania, I'm talking um, the Little Juniata, Spring Creek, Bald Eagle, Penns Creek, um, and up in the northern part um, in north central Pennsylvania, um, I fish Kettle, um, Big Pine Creek, First Fork of the Cinnamahoning. And I do do a little bit of dry fly fishing up there on the wild trout streams. Yeah. Um, so I I do do the guiding out of my place up on Kettle. Um, I have a place stones throw off the bank, mm. um, and so I guide in I guide in that area too. Yeah, you kind of surprised me one day. I I was up delivering fr flies to the guy we stay with that has a camp up on Kettle Creek. And uh, my buddy and I on our motorcycles and pull into Deb's. And you're sitting yeah, there waiting for one of your right, clients. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're guiding clear up here? Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. didn't know you had a camp up there. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I have a place right down the road from Cross Forks. Okay. And um, we fish there a lot early in the season. Um, I try to run the guide trips up there early in the season, of course. Um, as, as you know, yeah. when that yep. mid June hits, you know, the water's going low up mm -hmm. here and everything is still good down here. Yep. So I kind of get all of the guide trips that I can up there. 
um, er, early in the season before before the water starts to go bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a neat place if you ever get the chance. That's a neat place you yeah, got to go try it. It's uh it's it's definitely a gorgeous gorgeous setting up there. Yeah, like I always say it it reminds me of fishing out west. It's just yeah. you know the big open stream flowing down through the mountain. Right. It's just you don't have rock cliffs yeah. around. You. It's <laughs> about the beautiful. only difference. Yeah. So. Anyhow, thanks for coming on and doing a, doing a show with us here today. And You're welcome. Uh, thanks for having me. We'll get you to sit down here behind a vice and shoot a video too. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The next time I can come, uh, we'll talk about uh, you know we'll talk a little bit about what kind of flies you want me to tie, what kind of wet flies you want me to tie, and sounds good. We'll make it happen. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. See you next time, See guys. You next don't time. don't forget to find us on all your favorite apps. And uh, you can find us on our website at bugsandbeardpodcast.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bugs and Beard Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by wholesingersflyshop.com. Head on over to the website for all your fly fishing and fly tying needs. Plus, you can also find a link there to the Wholesingers Fly Shop YouTube channel. The channel is full of information with over 250 videos covering fly tying and fly fishing techniques geared towards making your time on the water more enjoyable. From all of us here at the Bugs and Beard Podcast, we hope you'll subscribe to our channel and tune in next week as we discuss the sport we love so well. Until next time, get out there on the water and tight lines.